As I mentioned at the beginning of Mass, Pope Francis has declared this third Sunday of ordinary time, Sunday of the Word of God, and invites us to, in the dailiness of our lives, ponder a bit more deeply the power of God's holy Word. You know, many of us probably grew up not reading the Bible. It was always a Protestant thing to do, and we used to marvel at many of our brothers and sisters who seemed to know a lot more about the Scriptures than we did. But thankfully, in recent times, the growth of Scripture study groups, of Bible study groups, has begun to flourish in parishes and throughout the church. Now we can get the access to God's Word and a reflection upon it in so many different ways. And I would encourage you to think about how do you access God's holy Word? Is the Word of God something that you just hear in church on a Sunday morning? Or do you actually take it and and sit with it and reflect upon it? You don't have to have a Scripture degree in order just to sit and think, what is God saying at this moment? But if you want to go a little bit deeper, there are so many now opportunities and resources available to help us to do just that. One of the great programs that maybe some of you have experienced is the Bible in a Year with Father Mike Schmitz or whatever. And you can start any time and go through the whole year and begin to understand a little bit more about the power of God's Word. Today in his homily in St. Peter's, Pope Francis, you know, asked the question about having a Bible. Is it something that is accessible to you? Or is it something that just sits on a shelf gathering dust? Do you use it? Do you allow it to guide you? Have you a favorite passage or a favorite book in the Bible? Go to it often and ask God to help you to be inspired by that holy word. And we all have those favorite passages, you know, that we go to at different times in our lives. We're we're struggling with something, we're, we're doubting about this, we're worried about that, whatever it may be. But we can't dismiss every other part of the sacred scriptures. It's the entire Word of God that is inspired and giving to us. Yes, even the bits that we find challenging, even the bits that we don't like to hear. You know, we love it when we are told in the Scriptures, God loves you, you're kind, you're nice, you're this, you're that. But then when He says, oh, you've got to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, you're like, oh, I don't know about that, you know. We can't dismiss some and just keep the bits we like. It's the entire Word of God. Pope Francis just invites us to reflect on that, and I encourage you to do that, especially now as we get ready for Lent. This is the time to start preparing. Are there Scripture studies or Bible study groups here in our parish that we can avail ourselves of? Are there things online that we can avail ourselves of? 
We get so much junk mail into our emails and text messages and all the rest. Have we signed up for a good Catholic website or a podcast? Is there something that we can use every day as a resource to help us? Don't just let the Word of God be something that you hear once a week, but let it be something that you reflect upon and allow God to speak through that holy word to whatever it is that's going on in your life. Today in our diocese, we are having the third annual Call by Name Sunday. And many of our seminarians and many of us will tell you that it was hearing something in God's sacred word that inspired us to think that God might be calling us to the priesthood or to religious life. It might have been a retreat that we went to that was focused on, on Scripture. And today we think about this local church. Last year we were blessed to send away 13 men to begin their seminary formation, bringing us to having 42 seminarians in total. It's not enough. It's not enough. In the next 10 years, 30 of us priests in the Diocese of Austin will be eligible to retire. There's not 30 ordinations in the foreseeable future. So what are we going to do? It means we've got to pray and pray earnestly. Pray to God every day. Just one Hail Mary. I came across something the other day that said the power of one Hail Mary. And remember a while ago, a few years ago, Pope Francis was kind of berated and somebody said, I prayed like 20 rosaries for you. He said, thank you. One would have been enough. <laughs> if you prayed it with faith and hope. Because we sometimes think, don't we, more. No. It's not quantity, but quality. And so when we pray for vocations, it's praying, Lord, send out laborers into your harvest. We heard, hear that in the Scriptures. The harvest is rich, but the laborers are few. And maybe there's somebody in your life, in your family, that you think, because there's something about them that would make a great priest or religious sister or brother, Today is a, a day, an opportunity for us to submit their names to Bishop Vasquez, and he will write to them personally. And some of our men in formation will tell you it's taken many times to be invited before they said yes. The average, we're told, is at least six times somebody is asked before they finally say yes and because those 13 men went off to begin their formation, there is no guarantee that one day they will stand here on the altar of God. That's up to God. But we have to encourage them and support them in our prayers and in our journey. So maybe there's somebody sitting in church today, this morning, this Sunday, any given Sunday, that might just think, God is calling me, but I don't know how to respond to that. 
I don't know who to talk to about it. I don't know where to go to get some resources or an answer to my questions. Our Diocesan Vocations website is full of information. There's a bookcase right there in the narthex of the church that has books on prayer and how to discern, praying a holy hour for vocations, saying a rosary for vocations, whatever it may be. But just to say yes. How do I know? I think there's what I call in my ordinary simple life, a spirit of contentment. That when I think about a vocation to the priesthood or to consecrated life, it's okay. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I'm okay with it, you know? It doesn't make me want to vomit (laughs) with fear or anxiety. It just sits there and says, I don't know. Let me see. Let me hear that voice of Jesus as he said to Simon and Andrew and James and John, come follow me. We hear that story and I think, gosh, poor, poor, poor Mr. Zebedee. Here he is running one of the best fishing businesses in all of Galilee. And along comes Jesus and says, I need to take your best workers. Oh, and they're your sons as well. Come follow me. Then he sees another two. He says, come follow me. And they get out of their boat and follow him. I think Mr. Zebedee went home and said, thank you, Lord. (laughs) Was it that instant? Was it that sudden? We think not as we read through the Scriptures that somewhere in the ministry and teaching of Jesus, Peter and Andrew and James and John had heard who Jesus was. They'd heard Him speak. They'd seen Him in action, as it were. So that when the call finally came, their hearts were already prepared. And maybe that's what many of our young men and women are looking for today. God is already preparing their hearts, but He needs you and me to call them by name and say, John, Mary, have you ever thought about a vocation to the priesthood or consecrated life? Maybe they'll say, yes, I have. Maybe they'll say, no, I haven't. But it's that invitation. So if you think or you know of anybody in your circle of friends, in your family, in the parish, there's somebody you see here at church every Sunday. Maybe you could submit their name and they will get a personal letter from Bishop Vasquez and say, come follow not me, not the bishop, not Father Michael or anybody else, come follow the Lord. And let Him work in you and through you. Because I'm reminded of that story of a little boy who grew up in a very Catholic family. He had two great parents and two wonderful brothers, but from a very early age, he felt always close to God. His grandma used to 
come and walk him to church in the morning. And together they would go to Mass before she then walked him to school. He wasn't always the brightest of students all the way through his education. But he kept persevering because he believed that God was calling him in some way or another. And he had the chance to go and study, but he, he felt, no, I need to go to high school and experience that, and it wasn't the easiest time. He was bullied and abused verbally and physically because everybody thought he was a, a little bit different, you know? But that was okay because he just kept believing in who God was. He was a bit of a puny child. He was sick. He developed meningitis as a teenager and was lucky to be alive. His father died when he barely reached the age of 20, and his whole kind of foundation had shifted. But he kept persevering. He was told even at times to leave the seminary rather than waste the resources. He was ordained young, fresh-faced. If you see the pictures of him now, you'd think he's a real nerd. But somehow he kept going. He kept trusting in God. He has no degrees to his name. He has no academic qualifications to his name. But he has a desire to love the Lord and to serve the Lord and to walk with the Lord. And the opportunity he gets every day to celebrate the Holy Eucharist is the highlight of his life. And when he gets invited into people's lives, he is just privileged and humbled. He knows there are times when he goes to do his ministry with a particular person or a particular situation. That person doesn't always want to even be there themselves. But somehow they invite him in. They ask him to pray with them. They ask for him to celebrate the sacraments of the church, to baptize, to marry, to forgive, to anoint, to feed, to sustain. And he doesn't give up. He gets discouraged a lot. Especially when he can't do the things that he would like to do. And now that he's sick, he's struggling even more to say, what is God asking of him? How is God going to use him for whatever time he has left on this earth, long or short? He doesn't know. And so he has to trust even more. And he goes back to those early days when his grandmother taught him how to pray the rosary. How to have a love for our Blessed Mother. And how his mom used to always say to him, it's going to be okay. And he would argue with her. And he had no right ever to argue with her. How can it be okay? How can it be okay? Because it will. Because God has said so.
He heard that call by name. He admired his parish priest. And he grew to know who God was in his family and in his friends. And in case you haven't worked out who that little boy is, this year he will be a priest for almost 39 years. Because God works in us, in our weakness, in our humanity, in our frailty, in our woundedness, in our sin. God is still calling us. And once upon a time, we were sitting exactly where you are this morning. I was sitting in a pew Sunday after Sunday, or sitting over there as an altar server with my parents. And I told them from the earliest stage, this is what I wanted to do. And they never put an obstacle in my way. They said, okay. Whatever will be, will be, if it's God's will. How do we help you? And to the very day that both of them died, many years apart, and from to this very moment, I believe that my parents are still praying for me to be a good priest. To be that priest after the heart of Jesus himself. To look every day at the people that we as priests are called to serve. You, the people of God. You know, we don't come from some distant planet and, you know, down on earth and suddenly we're a priest. We come from where you are. We come from families. And so we need to build up and strengthen families where we have a culture of vocations that to be considering a vocation to the priesthood or religious life is not considered wrong. I remember many years ago <laughs> preaching this kind of homily. Somebody came out of church with the son, I think it was, and so that I could hear Mom said, don't you be getting any ideas about following him. I want grandchildren. <laughs> okay. He wasn't the only child. We don't know what God is doing in the lives of our young people, you know? And we can't be selfish to say, it's only about what I want. It's about what God wants. You think Mr. Zebedee was happy when Jesus called his sons and then the James and John? But they went to follow the Lord and there was no obstacle put in their path.
Don't let what we want to be a voice that our young people are then unable to hear the voice of God. They're being called by name, you know. God is still calling. This is the the amazing thing about our God. You know, in the midst of of so much that, that your children and your grandchildren have to deal with in the realms of social media and other areas today, God is still getting through. And they're saying yes to Him. They're listening to podcasts and to retreats and to reflections because they believe that God is calling them by name. But He's also calling each of us by name so that we can be that community of faith that is able to then say yes to God. And offer to God and say, here are our young people, Lord. Who do you wish to follow you? And God will make himself known. All we have to do is be God's mouthpiece. God will take care of the rest, you know. We have to plant that seed. That's all that's needed. I have a wonderful life. It has changed so much over the years. And as you know, it's changing again at the moment. And I don't know where that's going to go. But that's okay, because God does. Somebody sent me a lovely picture um, last week. It's got two pictures of of a crucifix. And on one side it says, I don't know what tomorrow holds. On the other side it simply says, but I know who holds tomorrow. Called by name to reflect and then to preach on the Word of God.